Welcome to an honest conversation on health, serving up discussion and perspective about what health really is. Your health, your responsibility. There's simply no way around it. It's time to own it. You have what it takes. All you need is the knowledge. That's where I come in. I'm your host, Julie Brown. I love this shit. With a nerd's eye view, I'll share the knowledge and help you bring it to life with conscious action, love, and laughter. You've got this. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I have with me Lana Osborne Parody. Lana is the owner and badass head trainer of Blast Fitness, a wholehearted approach to health and wellness. She offers movement training, health discovery, and inspiration with honesty and real-life learnings. A kinesiologist and exercise physiologist with an inquisitive and self-reflective lens has made Lana a local rock star to mums and women alike, helping them get their body and spirit back from whatever took them to the brink. I've been part of her programs, and I'll tell you what, I actually really hate exercising. I love playing, I love adventuring, but I don't like exercises. And Lana's the first person that actually made me think it was kind of fun. Welcome, Lana. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and thanks for that lovely introduction. Yeah. Local rock star. Okay, so we're going to kick off today with a few standard questions I'm going to ask everyone, and then we're going to blast off into Lana's areas of expertise and what she wants to bring to you guys today about um, how to cultivate health. We'll make it very practical and hopefully a little bit sassy. So let's start with what is health and what does it mean to you? So this is a huge question, and um, but I love it, obviously. And I think to me, health is imagining that wheel where you've got your mental wellness, your physical wellness, your social landscape, spiritual planes, all of those pieces on one specific wheel. And true health is having well-being in all of those areas. But as we all know, it's never going to be a perfect balance. It's never going to be our physical health and our mental health and our spiritual health all f- like full cups every all the time. And so I think for me, it's about understanding that not every single aspect of our health is in our control, but it health, true health comes from empowering people to control the controllables. Hmm. And I think that's actually what's been so hard about this past year is that it has felt that mo- like more of our health it has been out of our control because the control has been coming from other places. And so I think that's why we've all experienced in the past year changes in our health. You know, some areas may feel healthier, you know, like some relationships, we may have had more time to be with significant others or be with our kids, which can be challenging or, you know, growth inducing. But I think that this whole idea of, of trying to control what is controllable for me, that's what health is because we all are born with, you know, our epigenetics and the things that we, we come into life with that are completely out of our control. Like we don't choose our parents, for example, and we don't always choose our environment or there are things in our environment that are out of our control. So finding health as 
taking care of our well-being because of the decisions that we're able to make is, is what health is to me. Mm-hmm. So very much an action, mm-hmm. a series of action actions, mm-hmm. and this wholehearted, multi-dimension, take charge of what you can, surrender to what you can't, and get on with it. Yeah, it absolutely. And I think, you know, for me personally, looking back, there were times in my life where I was at my physically, physically my fittest, but I wasn't my healthiest. My social life wasn't as healthy or my mental health wasn't as healthy because I was trying to fulfill what I thought health was from a very, very physical plane. Right. And, and that's to me that I think that's the best thing about getting older is that you start to realize that health is multi-layered. It isn't just one single plane. We might have great physical health or we might not, but our emotional health might be really great or our social health might be really buffering up a lot of support for the other planes that are suffering at a certain point of time. And so I, I think the doing our best to control what we can in that mental realm, in that physical realm, in that social realm, in that spiritual realm, just gives us a little bit more of a buffer for when stuff happens and takes us off of that healthy plane. (laughs) Totally. I actually see it as sub accounts within (laughs) an account and each, each sub account has its own running Mm -hmm. balance and as long as some accounts are some sub accounts are running high and it really allows you to uh, for others to kind of tank out for reasons beyond your control or maybe reasons in your control that you just stopped participating in. Yes, which we all do for various reasons from time to time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really take your point on that. If we kind of look at take this kind of very holistic picture of net worth of health. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, where, where do we find it? Mm-hmm. Where do we find our health? Yeah. So this is a great question because you know, where, where do we find our health? Do we find it in a course? Do we find it in a trainer? Do we find it in a podcast or do we find it in our daily decisions? Because really, if you, if you think of health as when we're talking about what we can control, mm-hmm. we, it is an accumulation of the decisions that we make consciously or unconsciously mm-hmm. on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. So I think that the tough thing is that these decisions, like we find health in our decisions. We do. Mm-hmm. And, but these decisions are greatly influenced by a number of factors. They're influenced by where we live. They're influenced by socioeconomic status, and they're greatly influenced by our friends and our family and our colleagues. So this is why when we say we find health in our decisions and lots of people feel disempowered about their health because they are, these decisions are affected by other people. And so I think, you know, if our friends and family and colleagues are influencing us to move more and to deal with our stressors well and to help facilitate better health decisions, then it's so much easier for us to find great health. It's like a little bit cliche, but that whole idea of you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, that is true for our health, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, when I have go for a run or a walk with friends and they're sharing amazing things that they're doing in with their kids or conver- hard conversations they're having with their partners or with their parents, that empowers me 
to make better decisions in my life, have those hard conversations, you know, get up early and, and make movement a priority for me. So I, I find personally find health Hmm. in my decisions, which is greatly influenced by my friends and my family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of pull back on that a little bit. It's really about actions Mm -hmm. and then who you're making those actions with because your actions are a reflection of the actions of the people around you. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you talk about kind of the inheritance of our epigenetics, the shit and the baggage that (laughs) we're gifted. Yeah. Um, I for think better or for worse. For better or for worse. <laughs> and there's gifts in all of them. If you can do the work to unpack the crappy, you know, packaging mm-hmm. to get to the nugget. But if you look at how, what you're saying is who you invite into your life. So that's a decision. Who do you invite into your life? And then, you know, what kind of health are they bringing with them into mm-hmm. your health in whichever dimension? Then if we back that up, we have to even feel worthy of health. And um, epigenetically, some of us have a much bigger uphill battle against that and way more work. And if you don't even know that you're carrying these little epigenetic bombs, mm-hmm. it's like you're not running a virus check on your computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't actually know what's mm-hmm. driving you. How do we empower people to see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with finding that worthiness because, and this comes up in my line of work so, so frequently, I'm going to exercise or get stronger or lose weight or gain more energy because then I will feel worthy mm-hmm. right. of joy or happiness or connection or whatever it is when it actually happens the other way around. We get better health when we already feel worthy. So when we know our worth is inherent, we don't have to hustle for our worthiness. We don't have to work for our worthiness. We're all worthy of good health. Mm -hmm. We're all worthy of great relationships, but we do have to do some work to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think when we hustle and we try to make decisions from a place of not feeling worthy, it doesn't last, right? It doesn't last. And we're, we're quote unquote, not doing it for the right reasons. Um, and this is one of the hugest roadblocks to consistency with exercise and all these health decisions and healthy behaviors that we know about is we don't do them consistently when we're hustling from a place of feeling unworthy. Yeah. Which really is another way of saying health is like the sun. And even on a cloudy day, it's still there. And when you realize that, then you don't have to work for that worth. To me, that kind of becomes synonymous, that you realize that just by virtue of being alive, you have the capacity to have health worth or innate health coming from within. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so Lana has been doing this for a long time. I mean, not like 50 years long, but like 15, 20. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I would really like her to have a bit more of an open stage to share something that she's really learned in her experience and her education to be a really pivotal learning and aspect of cultivating health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we talk about what aspect of 
health is what I'm finding to be very important right now. And I think it's, it comes up with my clients all the time. It's boundaries. And so I think the, even just the word boundaries makes people kind of shudder or roll their <laughs> eyes or just kind of, you know, shy away. And I think because we're so, we think boundaries means shutting people out. Like if you're a boundary person, that means that you don't let people in or you're, you're not open or you're not giving when it's, it's actually the complete opposite. Boundaries are, it's not putting up a wall. It's showing people where to find the door. So it's giving people consistent access to you with like from your terms, right? So it's not about when I say, oh, you know, boundaries are really important to my health. What that really means is it comes down to these, these five, five words. What is best for me? What is best for me is having boundaries around what I will or will not take on as my own, what I am or am not going to do with my time. And I, I feel like the biggest barrier to people exercising consistently, because obviously that's a huge part of my work is helping people to exercise more regularly or giving them the tools to gain energy, gain strength, feel less aches and pains through exercise. And a huge barrier to that is lack of time and lack of energy and lack of time and lack of energy are boundary issues Mm -hmm. because we all have the same 24 hours in the day. Yes, we might have more on our plates than others, but we can get great outcomes from exercise in 20 minutes a day, which is not a lot, you know? So if, and it doesn't have to be high intensity. It doesn't need to be some crazy workout with push-ups and burpees and all these sorts of things. It can be a walk. It can be gentle stretching or gentle movement in your living room, that sort of thing. But we often feel like we don't have the time or energy to access that, even the 20 minutes, because we're putting what is best for me on the sideline and we're always answering what is best for everyone else or what does everyone else need that's really the opposite question of what is best for me is what does everyone else need which you know as moms that's like a big part of our priority it's a default (laughs) it it is the default (laughs) right you know we wake up and we don't say what is best for me we wake up and say what does everyone need we need breakfast we need lunches we need packing diaper bags, you know, we need to think of the plan. We have drop-offs and pickups and all that kind of stuff. And I think one of the biggest barriers to setting boundaries for moms and anyone else with relationships (laughs) or people who need them or colleagues who need them Mm -hmm. is worrying what other people are going to think when we say what is best for me first, because we're taught to seek to ask first, what does everyone else need? And then whatever's left, time, energy, effort, that's what we get, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we feel like we only have 2 to 3% of our energy for our well-being, for our health. Because we've given 97% to our work, to our relationships, to our kids, all those sorts of things. And so creating boundaries around, you know, actually, I'm going to give this 10 15, 20% of my effort, time, and energy to myself. What is best for me? Is going to bed earlier better? Is having time for a workout better? Is having time to, you know, talk with my friends, go for a walk with my friends, what's best for me? 
And then when we answer that question first, we feel like we're a priority and then everything else still gets filtered in. Our kids still get great meals. We still have time for relationships. We still have time for work, but we, sh- we just shift it. Instead of saying, what does everyone else need for me first? We say, what is best for me first? And I think it, it takes a little bit of courage to ask that question because it's consistent, especially in the motherhood space, that we're just expected to get the margins. We're expected to kind of get whatever is left over. Like, you know, we're eating the scraps of lunch <laughs> off of our kids' plates. Because, Sometimes quite literally. <laughs> yes, literally and figuratively. And I think just shifting that, like turning it on, on, on its head, you're not selfish for wanting to take care of yourself first. And or if you are selfish for doing that, then selfish is a good thing. The people that think self-care is selfish generally have poor self-care. <laughs> no, that's a great meme. Like we need to make that and post it all over the internet because it's so true. And I, I think it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves is this whole this whole thing of like self-care is um is like bubble baths and I mean, don't get me wrong, it's I love a hot bath. <laughs> it's like definitely top on my self-care list. But it's like all these, these nice to have things. No, self-care is need to have. Mm -hmm. Self-care is not nice to have. It's Mm -hmm. need to have. Yeah. Because what, and this is the biggest thing. The reason why we don't make boundaries, the reason why we don't enforce boundaries is because it feels uncomfortable, right? It feels uncomfortable to say, no, I'm sorry. I can't help you right now with that. Oh, I actually already have plans tomorrow. You're going to have to help out with the kids. Or I can't make this happen because I, you know, I'm going to bed at this time so that I get enough sleep in. We, we don't have those sorts of conversations with people because we're conditioned to say yes, to be givers, to not have boundaries. We don't tend to have a lot of people who model great boundaries for us. And so all we see is setting boundaries is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Setting boundaries is awkward. Setting boundaries is selfish. Have, doing self-care is selfish. And I think we need to flip that on its head as well and say, what is the cost of not setting boundaries? Mm-hmm. What is the cost of not doing self-care? Right? The cost is burnout. The cost is exhaustion. The cost is sickness. The cost is resentment. And when you think about it from that perspective, you're like, damn, I got to set some boundaries because I don't want that reality for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even the airlines have it right, right? Like before you don your Mm -hmm. oxygen mask for your child, make sure you've put it on yourself first. Mm -hmm. And you can't actually be in service to others if you aren't first in service Mm -hmm. to yourself Mm -hmm. because you can't be in your highest and best place, you know, basically ever Mm -hmm. when you're always living on the ragged edge, Yep. which I think many of us have learned, unfortunately, the hard way Mm -hmm. because it wasn't modeled... You know, my mom was a selfless, perpetual giver and she took fabulous care of us. She taught me how to be a great mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was a big value shift for me and a big shift in my own belief systems that I could value my own well-being in a much greater slice of my life pie. Exactly. um, In order to actually come into a place of balance instead of constantly just 
overloading my plate in service to others. Mm-hmm. Not an easy learning for me. And I'm still getting it on deeper layers. Um, I'm sure I will mm-hmm. always be, you know, balance is like this tricky vixen you're always chasing. Yes, <laughs> but exactly. It's a worthy, it's a worthy chase. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's so interesting because my, my mom was very similar to yours. Very selfless, always caring, like, she has the biggest heart and she's so caring. And I'm very grateful that I grew up with a mom like that. That it's mm-hmm. it's affected me in a myriad of positive ways. But, and my mom and I have had this conversation a million times. What my mom didn't give me was a lot of boundaries in the self-care piece. Because she didn't always take care of herself first. And so now we have that open conversation And she's like, it's so nice to learn from you Mm -hmm. that I can put those boundaries up and I can make myself care a priority, right? And I think sometimes as moms, it's, there's so much pressure for us to be like the caregivers because we are the caregivers Mm -hmm. typically. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't always realize that we can get so much, we can learn so much from our kids. Like you want to learn about boundaries? Yeah. Like, look at your toddler. They're like, no, that is mine. And I will take it back. (laughs) Right? Like, we actually can learn a lot from our kids. I'm like, I need to actually be more like my kids. I do need to be more selfish. I do need to ask for what I want. And when I don't get it in three seconds, maybe I'm going to ask again. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, mom, mom. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, the world would be questionably unbalanced. (laughs) If we all acted like toddlers, but there are definite nuggets to take from them. Exactly. Although I could make the case that many of us are acting like toddlers this year. Oh my God. Having a tantrum, you know, in public spaces because we don't like that we're not getting our way, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I don't want to fully digress into that. <laughs> okay. Well, I've certainly learned a lot from my children, um, including how to receive. My daughter is so exceptional at being able to receive support and care and that's certainly something, you know, I've had to learn, which is a form of, of boundaries, really, of, of being permeable from the outside in. But let's segue here into um, where and from whom have you learned the most about boundaries? Mm-hmm. So I think around the time that my daughter was born, it was like that huge shift of, of being a full-time working individual, pretty independent, and then morphing into the motherhood space um I learned the most about boundaries actually from my husband and you know I think it's a little bit of an extreme example because he's a world cup ski racer but I had a conversation with a friend once and she said you know if you look after your needs like you're going for the gold which my husband was at the time (laughs) you know how would your life be different And it just opened up a huge space in my head because, you know, as athletes, they are so boundaried, you know, maybe even to a fault, you know, there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of things they give up and there is a lot of sacrifice, but they are so boundaried on their time, on their effort, on their energy, on their sleep, on what they are able to give to and what they're not able to give to because performance is the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And when performance is the ultimate goal, you don't give away the extra stuff. And so I think the hard part about this is that, like we said before, 
we fail to make boundaries because we don't want to be, we don't want to appear as selfish or we don't want to appear like we're self-obsessed. But I think we can all, as lots of us are overgivers, and we can all learn something from getting, gaining boundaries, almost like performance mattered to us. Hmm. Because when we're able to perform better, to have more energy, to think more clearly, to not be as exhausted, as resentful, all those costs that we were talking about before from failing to make boundaries we can help others and we can affect so much change in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families. Like the worst time that I have ever been, I was the worst friend, the worst daughter, (laughs) the worst general person in humanity when I was, when I was the least boundaried Mm -hmm. because I was taking on everyone's shit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was resentful. I had no energy to give, even though I was ironically giving everywhere but I wasn't, I wasn't boundaried intentionally, right? So it's getting more intentional with what you're going to do with your energy, which is what athletes are really, really good about. They're giving their energy to one tiny specific thing, right? So I don't think we need to all get that pigeonholed, but we can learn something from it. You know, interestingly, um, when I talked to Manny, your husband, my friend, um, about this project the incarnation of this project, you know, many, many months ago. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he's like, that's too many things. What do you mean? That's too many things. He's like, you can't have three things. You can only have one. If you want to be really good at it, you can only have one. Let's say I wanted to be the fastest skier in the world, but I also really want to learn to cook. And I really want to travel. It's conflicting. And I was like, Oh fuck. Very solid point. And so in his own way, he has shaped my focus Mm-hmm. And created a um, given me the impetus to evaluate if I'm dispersing myself in too many places, which is, you know, effectively boundaries. Absolutely. Ironic. <laughs> um, okay, so as we kind of wrap this up, um, we've talked about a lot of things today about, you know, what health means to you and where we find it. And a lot of that is about the multiple dimensions of health and that we you know, by being really strong in one area of health that we can control, it allows us to have a buffer in the other areas that we can't control. And that really, truly, we find health in conscious action. We find health by our small decisions that accumulate and collect into big impacts in our lives. What is the takeaway you you want people to have in kind of a little bite-sized, you're going on a walk, or maybe you're on a walk listening to this now, And you're going to finish your walk with this one thing that's going to echo in the chamber of your mind. What is that? Yeah, I really do think it's those five words. What is best for me? And if you're resistant to thinking of things from that self-focused lens, I would implore you to ask, you know, or to understand that when we are able to focus on ourselves and really take really, really great care of ourselves, not only are we doing that from a place of worthiness because our worth is inherent, but it's also allowing us to have such a bigger ripple effect everywhere else, right? And so asking those five words of ourselves, what is best for me? What do I really need? for my health, for my deep health, for my spiritual health, or my mental health, or my physical health. And when it's 
you know, that's why I like exercise so much because for me, exercise is like the kill three birds with one stone piece. Yes, it's my physical health, but really it's actually my mental health that gains the most from exercising or moving regularly. So when we ask what is best for me, what is that like one thing, that one big action that's going to spill over into all those other sub accounts, right? Is it having the hard conversations? Is it getting more sleep? Is it moving more? Is it drinking more water? Like what is, make it into one simple thing Mm -hmm. and then focus on that and feel that trickle down effect into all the sub accounts. And then that's right. How we get better health Mm -hmm. is in that one specific action. Of course, there are a million other actions we'll take for our health, but let's just start with one. Mm -hmm. And we get there by asking what is best for me. I love it. And when we take one action until it seems like it's just part of our life without thinking about it, then we're ready to add the next action. And when we build one action at a time and you look back after 12 months and you go, holy shit, I like literally transformed my life. Mm -hmm. One simple thing at a time and adopting it into my life in a way that it felt completely natural. Yes. So humans are obsessed with urgency. The reason why we take on five to seven habits at a a time is because we want the change, but change happens slowly. Mm -hmm. Like look at nature. Mm -hmm. It happens so slowly, right? And so when we are obsessed with urgency and we try to change all of these variables at once, the research is very firm on this. We don't continue to keep these changes up, but when we take, take on one change at a time for three to four weeks, we're way more likely to carve that into our mental bandwidth and make it more unconscious. And then it's easier. It's like that quote, you underestimate what you can accomplish in a year and you overestimate what you can accomplish in a day. Hmm. Yeah, that's because a great quote. Another good meme. Exactly. Great <laughs> meme. It's, it's, that's not my quote, by the way, but I can't quite remember who it was. I think it was Stephen Covey, actually. And it's the whole idea of let's take the daily to-do list down a little bit, but focus on those really impactful actions. And then once we get them into our habits, then we can add the next thing. And then when you look back a year later, 365 days down the road, you're like, wow, I can't believe how much I changed in that past year. But it's because I didn't overload myself on one specific day. It's like, just, just keep Digging little, little bits every single day. Keep uncovering. You don't have to dig the whole entire hole on the first day or the first week. Words to live by, by Lana. (laughs) There'll be information to contact Lana and connect with her in the show notes. Blast Fitness is her, the umbrella to all the good she's doing in the world. At Blast Girl on... On Instagram. On Instagram. Yep, and then my website is www.blastfitness.ca. All right. Well, I think that probably we could talk all day, but we're going to put a wrap on it with my promise to keep our episodes in bite-sized chunks for you, um, all of you on the move whose days are full. It's a real gift that you're here listening and offering the greatest commodity you have to you know, listen to us and to um, contribute to your own well-being, time, and... Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so very much for joining me today. Together, we can light the way to better health. 
for you and our planet. You can help make this happen by subscribing, sharing this with a friend, and reaching for the stars in a review. If you would like to join me in a conversation or have a request, please reach out. I'm all ears. Check out juliebrown.health for resources and tools to help you on your way. Stay curious and keep learning.